I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. Okay, now, um, you talked about creating a personality. So, Frank Kern, as a, is, this, is this a persona that you create out there with your crazy videos and you, you know, the Alabama surfer dude and all this stuff? Or, I mean, how much <laughs> of a different... Alabama diff- surfer dude. I'm totally changing my name legally <laughs> to that. Yeah, Actually, great. you should get that website. Yeah, I, 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 well, I'm not from Alabama. Where are you from? Well, I'm just saying Alabama now. Well, why do you, why do you talk like this? Where's that accent I'm from? from Georgia. Distinctly What's... different. <laughs> I mean, we're about to, it's about to get nasty here in the thing. All right, the Georgia surfer dude. Now, is this, this persona that you create? I mean, I, I believe this is just really how you are like all the time. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think that leads to having like an enjoyable business because you're not putting on a facade. You're just kind of being you. Right. And you have probably done one of the best jobs of taking who you are this crazy, wacky sort of guy that just does what he does in, in building a whole entire business around that. And I think there is, um, I think there's some lessons in that that would be useful for people. And a lot of people that you've uh, really top marketers that I know that have worked with you have made comments uh, about, you know, just hanging around Frank, I just, I don't work as much, you know, I'm just, I don't... <laughs> don't make nearly as much money, it's great, I, all the taxes I save, it's wonderful. No, no, I actually, uh, people say they make more money mm-hmm. from hanging around you, they work less and stuff like that, because you're just really laid back about right. your approach to business, so... Could you articulate or describe what that is all about? I mean, as as a lesson, so people that are watching this interview kind of you right. know, can walk away with something here. Yeah, we'll start with the personality thing. Okay, um, your market always has like a, an ultimate outcome. You know, with the 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 person that they would rather be. You know, and I'm very fortunate that my market is well. In some ways, it's unfortunate because the groupie situation is totally awful. But you know, I'm very fortunate in the sense that most of my customers are, are dudes that are older than I am that wish that they were younger guys that would like to retire to the beach and screw off all the time. Right. Right. And it just so happens that I have moved to the beach and I primarily screw off all the time. But that your persona, if you can do it legitimately, and the key here is legitimately, you know what I mean? Because you, you shouldn't just make shit up. Right. Right. But the, if your persona can match that ultimate desired lifestyle target of your market, like that deeply embedded psychological thing that they really, at the end of the day, if you said, okay, you can have like all this stuff or you could just say to hell with it and go be a dude that surfs and hangs out on the beach and has a lot of money, they say, all right, Screw it. Give me the, give me B. You know, right. if you can embody that and legitimately present yourself as that, then you have this immediate bond with them that is extremely powerful because they're, you're what they're moving towards and you embody what they're ultimately moving towards. You know, so it's a big deal. Now, the, the persona that I give out is an exaggerated version of my real persona. I mean, I, I don't just sit around all day, you know, and I don't surf like every single day. I go maybe three, four times a week, which is still a pretty good bit, but I'd rather go every day. But I have to work, you know, and I really do work, right? And I really do like to think about marketing stuff and... I've even got on shoes. You know, as we, <laughs> wait, wait. I really do. Oh, my God. Yeah, no I, socks, though, but there's no need to go overboard. But yeah, I, that, know, I don't see that a lot yeah, with you. It's a little cold out, you know? So yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, here in San Diego where it's freezing. Yeah, it's just got to be 70-something. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it's 
it's, uh, Dan Kennedy taught me this uh, when I bought one of his courses. You know, the, the persona that you develop is is an embellishment of things you already have. You know what I mean? So that's that's an important characteristic. And I think if you just go out and you make something up, um, people will see through it, and you'll ultimately fail, and you'll dismally fail. You know, so it's uh, it's an important distinction. Okay, well, I mean, a lot of people try to get into the game that you're, you know, in, and that you're doing very well in. Um, most of them fail. Um, what what are some of the distinctions between people that do well with marketing and people that don't? Because even going back to, uh, you know, Ben Suarez. In his book, Seven Steps to Freedom, this is, you know, people that aren't familiar with, uh, you know, direct marketing and stuff years back. I mean, a guy that built a hundred million dollar a year, uh, company, uh, thousand employees. He had a statistic, um, you know, 20 years ago that said, uh, out of every, uh, one out of every 70,000 people that enter the direct mail, direct marketing business, this is before the internet, even succeed in it, uh, you know, dismal failure rate in people that try to be information marketers, people that go out and try to try to do direct marketing. Um, what are some of the things that you think make it work and make it don't? Because a lot of people do try to be quote unquote internet marketers, and they watch the the copy and the headlines and the opt in pages and all of the stuff, but they just never have success with it. Probably because they never do anything, you know. And it's it's the diff- the difference between dabbling and deciding. You know, so uh, this, if you take like all the people who've actually done something in information marketing or internet marketing, which uh, I used to say is no different than any other kind of marketing, now I think it is significantly different. But um, if you were to take all the people who actually do stuff, say, well, you know, how come you did stuff and no one else did? You would probably have like a 90-something percent of the people would answer. they say, well, I made a conscious decision that this is what I'm going to do, and I acted on that decision. Right. And I made a plan of action, and then I considered or I continued down that path, adjusting the course of action as needed until I got the result. Basic stuff, just like if you were baking a cake. You know, but the, so we could eliminate probably of that 70,000 group, you know, we could em- eliminate like the, the first 69,000 right there. Cause there's a significant difference between dabbling and deciding. You know, I mean, lots of people, lots of the people I sell to, and the, you know, probably lots of the people who buy uh, your stuff through Nightingale Conan or whatever are dabblers. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't dabble your way to, you know, riches. Right. I mean, right. good lord, that'd be great if you can. So I think the number one <clears throat> determining factor is a, a conscious decision and a conscious plan of action to to go forward. You know, I mean, the, you got the people who say, yeah, you said yourself, they watch the headlines, they watch the opt-in boxes. You can't make any money by watching. Right. So you just have to do stuff. And, and the second thing is uh, the people who do finally break through from dabble to decide and do something, they'll quit. You know, they'll say, well, I've, I've been, I actually have received on multiple occasions letters from people or emails in my case, you know. And they say, well, I tried this and I spent about eight hours on it and uh, it didn't work and this isn't for me. Right. You know, and it just infuriates me because I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. You know, you wake up every day miserable, go to a job that you hate every day and you spend eight hours per day on the job, but you're unwilling to spend an extra hour, you know, beyond that one eight-hour window that you've already committed to, uh, to making uh, a major difference in your life and the life of your family. So it's the stick-to-itiveness, I think it's another Dan word, I believe, you know, yeah. that uh, that made it work, you know. I mean, this is, I don't know anybody who's ever just said, okay, uh, I bought this course, chapter one, write headline, see what happens, and, you know, it just it all fell into place automatically for them. You right. know what I mean? It just doesn't happen. Or if it, if it does happen, I've never <clears> seen it. So... That's characteristic number two. It would be this adjusting the course. 
Well, okay. So um, with with psychology, like one one of the things that uh, I don't even know if you realize how effective you are at understanding the mindset of the people that you're trying to sell to. You probably do, but the the point is, is that marketing is no, just... Joe. Go on and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you 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 are you kind of have this really evil scheming, like crazy, you know, marketing brain sort of where you just figure out just how to get into the mindset of the people that you're trying to sell to and stuff. And in marketing, really good marketers are, are know a, a tremendous amount about applied psychology. Mm-hmm. So psychology uh, as it applies to human behavior and getting people to respond um, how critical is it to understand the inner workings of your prospect's brain I mean you take like a Robert Collier quote from you know the Robert Collier letter book written in the 50s where he says you want to enter a conversation that's existing in your prospect's mind Uh, you know how to do that is that something that you can talk about to teach people that are watching this right now how they could better get adept at doing that yeah, I have actually, there's a, uh, in, in the course I created called Mass Control, there's an exercise called the Instant Empathy Exercise. And it's very detailed where you, you don't enter the conversation in the brain to truly do it. You have to embody that person. I mean, you literally have to, you have to define that, that, the character or that typical customer. You know, like your stereotypical person. So if you could take all of your customers and boil them down into one right. thing and one dude came out, you have to be able to define who that person is all the way down to like what this person does for a living, you know, what his home life is like or her home life is like, what they wear, what they think about, what they talk about, how much money they make, what their fears are, uh, what their dreams and ambitions are. And then you have to become so in tune with that that you literally are able to step into the body of that fictitious person that you've created and act as if you were them. So it's hardcore, almost like NLP modeling type of stuff. Right. But the reason I'm able to sell as effectively as I do to my customers is because I am my customer. You know, I have been a business opportunity seeker. I have been a beginning marketer. I currently am an entrepreneur and always will be. So naturally, I can speak that language. Um, but if I hadn't had the cumulative life experiences that I know probably 95% of my marketplace has and have, has gone through and or are currently going through, then I wouldn't be able to do it. So if you're not in that position, and a lot of people entering new markets and niche markets aren't, you know, I mean, if you just say, hey, today I'm going to go into and start talking about, you know, how to become a tomato farmer, but you've never farmed tomatoes, you're not at a disadvantage, but it's important to understand that you need to find out exactly who you're selling to and do that instant empathy type thing where you literally identify even the, the most minute detail that you possibly can about this ideal customer and then step into their body, act as if you were them. That's what I was trying to say, actually. That's what I was going to say. I'll tell you something interesting. So I was giving a talk in uh, Orlando about this, and I walked to the audience through some of the instant uh, empathy exercise, and I told them about the person who I had envisioned as my my typical customer, especially selling in in a beginner's market. And uh, that person uh, that I created was a man named Bob. He was in his 40s. He wore dark brown shoes, khaki pants, white button-down shirt. He sold insurance for a living. He was married, had two children, um, and he complained about his kids, and he made $65,000 a year. And the audience is like, okay, that's very interesting. I can see how, you know, that this type of thing works, especially when you're, like, trying to get into the head of who your, your ideal person is. Right. After the seminar, the guy, a guy comes up to me, and when I said this person's <clears> name is <throat> Bob, I gave him the name. Guy comes up to me. His name was Bob. He had been an insurance salesman until he became successful in the uh, information marketing business. Um, he was the right age, 
the income was the same. The only difference between my character and this real guy was that he did not complain about his kids. He had a very healthy relationship with his children. Right. So it works. You know, it's extremely powerful, and it works. Because you just resonated with that dude just by explaining. Yeah, and that guy was the embodiment of my market. Right. You know. Right. But it, it amazed me that he just, there just happened to be an actual dude named Bob. <laughs> You know, who lived up to every piece of that criteria that I had created by doing the instant empathy exercise. You know, and that, and so I'm done. They're like, and this guy comes up and he goes, "Man, you're not going to believe this, but you were talking about me personally. We've never met, but my name is Bob. I did sell insurance. I'm 45 right. years old. I make $65,000 a year. I am married. I have two children. The guy was wearing the white shirt, the dark shoes, the khaki pants. I was like, oh my god, you know, this right. stuff is heavier duty than I thought it was. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, when I when I got into the uh, information marketing business. I was a struggling carpet cleaner. Uh, never thought in a million years I would be doing seminars, writing courses, you know, doing coaching groups and all the stuff that, you know, has been a byproduct of me learning marketing. I learned marketing because I needed to eat. You know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know how to generate business. I, I knew how to provide this service, but I had no clue on how to actually make money. And so I learned marketing because I needed to eat out, out of necessity. And, and the byproduct became I got really good at marketing. I was fascinated with the subject. It was fun. And I ended up building a business around that that particular uh, skill set. And I've watched um, literally thousands of, of people try to go into the marketing business. Many people have, uh, you know, uh, bought my stuff uh, as a model. Uh, a handful have made millions of dollars. Uh, a, a lot of them just really never got it. And I, and I think one of the, uh, and when I mean never got it, is is really they were dabblers. They weren't really right. doing it like you were making a decision. Um, but the people that I have seen having the most success uh, in in any, not just in the marketing business, but just running a business, are the people that kind of you know they came from. The, the background of I was doing something and I turned it into a more leverageable business versus a, a guy that wants to go and become a marketing guru to dentist but never has been a dentist uh, and never built a successful practice, mm-hmm. they tend not to have the same results as someone that did. And I think one of the big mistakes that people make is they just think, oh, you know, I'm going to be a marketer and sell information. They they don't realize the difficulty of the task at hand. And, and one of the, the difficulties is understanding the mindset of the person you're trying to sell to. Our friend Eben Pagan, mm-hmm. you know, he, he calls it an avatar, you know, finding your avatar. And, right. and I don't think this conversation, I think people can sit and listen to what you just described and say, yeah, that's a really good idea. But they just don't, they'll never go out and do anything with it. Dabblers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you you mentioned life experience. Like you've had a lot of you've had a pretty colorful life. A lot a lot of weird stuff happened, and you draw on all of that as it becomes a your... lot of weird stuff. Foreboding <laughs> sounding. You know. Well, I'm yeah. trying to keep it sort of. You yes, know, my days the... as an astronaut were a little bit shaky. <laughs> no, no. You've. I mean, no one else knew I was an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're like, "Why are you wearing this?" What is the highest esteem thing you think you've ever done for humanity? Frank? <laughs> <The highest> esteem. <laughs> what is the biggest contribution you think you've ever made? I probably stopped talking for a day. You know, that's probably it. <laughs> I was quiet. I think for a day, I was sleepless. You're married. You have, you have a kid. Yeah. One, one child too. Yeah. Right. Talk about your kids. I mean, what what do, you, what do you learn about marketing from having a family and stuff? That's clearly had to have some impact on the way that you do things and how you do stuff. I mean, because you, oh, well, you, I, you know what's funny is having young children, you learn like the base level negotiation. 
You know what I mean? I love you. Like, you see, that, should I be serious here? Should I got dumb? No, I mean, you really learn, like, the base level negotiation. So it's like, okay, well, everybody, even as children, we all have this ne- negotiative, if that's even a word. It is. Right. Look at a, you know, Webster. I want the royalties on that one. But, uh, you know, this, this, this mindset, well, it's all negotiable. Everything's negotiable. You know, I got to get something. You know, it's like, put on your shoes. I don't want to put on your shoes. Put on your shoes. I don't want to put on my shoes. I'll give you some candy. Okay, I'll put on my shoes. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, good Lord. So, uh, the the whole concept of bribery and negotiation was a big lesson, you know, right. and just like tiny little baby steps can lead to big things, you right. know. So, and we all know this as marketers, right? I mean, you get, uh, you you know, you get a lead and then you cultivate that lead and you sell them something, then you sell them more stuff. But it, when when uh, I had children and started communicating with them and I could talk to them and they would talk to me, you know, because that that's a, well, you don't have any kids that you know of. I don't think. So, Correct. yeah. Um, so as, as a father, I don't know if the rest of you guys are like this or not, but, you know, when my, my children were between, like, infant and, say, three and a half years old, I was just that dude that worked for mom. You know right. what I mean? So once I began able to, like, pass that age and they were like, oh, yeah, you're, you're my dad and we can talk about stuff, um, I really noticed that the importance of the, the baby steps in the negotiation and just, like, the, the coddling and everything's going to be okay and, you know, oh, yeah, well, you do this, you can have this, and it's great. And we see how much you enjoyed that. Well, you can have this if you do this. And if you apply that, even as, as dumb as it sounds, to marketing in your business, you can move someone as a prospect, you know, all the way up this ladder to, like, a lead to a, a really big and important sale through that very same strategy of just tiny little bribes and reassurance and constant right. communication. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, um, everything that any really successful entrepreneur knows how to do really well is how to sell, mm-hmm. how to go out and get checks. That's the, the first job that Are we, we have. checks or checks? Checks. 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 Okay, checks. Yeah. C- c- could, could be checks. Could, could be anything. Because yeah, every, everything in life is, yeah, you wouldn't know that. Um, but everything in life is a, sell, <laughs> is a sales process, a sales pitch. I right. mean, you're either attracting someone to do mm-hmm. something or you're repelling them. I mean, it, whatever your motive is. Um, one of the areas where I see people fail is they fall in love with the product. They have this really good idea, mm-hmm. but they don't put the focus on learning how to sell it, learning how to persuade people, how to drive people, how to attract people. And take your videos, take your copy, take all of the ways that you set it up to bond with people. You're just a really darn good salesperson, and marketing is is replicating selling. I mean, I always say that the you know selling is what you do when you're on the phone or face to face with somebody. Marketing is what you do to get someone on the phone or face to face with you properly positioned so they're pre interested, pre motivated, pre qualified, predisposed mm-hmm. to give you money. And so great marketers are able to take selling and replicate it, so they don't have to be face to face or on the phone. But you are superb at selling. You use sales copy, you use all kinds of methodologies to do it. So if you could maybe talk to the the importance of selling, what you think of selling and, and anything that you would recommend that the listeners in order to just do a better job in their business, whatever their business is, uh, how selling relates to it and any sort of, you know, well, suggestions you could give. First of all, it's the single most important thing you could like think about. Uh, I've got um, uh, right now. It's, this person's not even a client. I won't talk about them because I don't know if it's cool. But it's like a really big, famous dude. You know, infomercials all over the place. Household name. Been in movies. You know, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm advising them on internet marketing strategies because uh, they're, you could say it, this it could dude, be, can you? Imp- I don't know. Let's just not. Just to all be right. cool. I mean, you never right. know, right? So anyway. 
I, I got today. I mean, it, this, just today, I get an email and say, how's everything going with this campaign? You know, and this, it took forever up to get up until this point. And they say, well, here are the stats from the email we sent out. We had 19.3% open the email and 5-point-something percent click on the email. Still don't know about the sales. You know, I'm like, what the hell do you mean you still don't know about the sales? That's all that matters right. is the sales. Right. You know, so first of all, and then this, like, if you don't have the mindset of, like, Every, everything else is completely throwawayable, disposable. Right. You know, except for at the end of the day, that sales figure. It's important to adopt it because otherwise you end up focusing on stuff that doesn't make money. Like, you know, I don't know who said it. It's been attributed to lots of people, but the, the, it's a true statement of fact that nothing happens until something is sold. Right. You know, it's just, it's critical. So. You know how they say that the oldest profession in the world is prostitution? Right. All right. Well, that's not actually true because they first had to sell it. <laughs> See, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 probably really? a pretty easy sell, but it's they still had to sell it. itself, maybe. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> we're doing pretty Try good. Trying to be so serious, far. Here, yeah. yeah, we are. We're doing pretty good. This <clears throat> is impressive. So there's that. So all right, the, the that's distinction number one. Distinction number two is selling is not bad. You know, I think everyone who's in business for themselves has had some experience where they were in sales and they were rejected and they got this anchor, this psychological anchor where if I'm a salesman, it's bad. People don't like salesmen. Absolutely. It's horrible and it sucks. Right. Okay. And it's a perfectly understandable thing to believe because it's everyone we've all experienced. It is kind of horrible. You know, I mean, I used to sell cars and be like, see people drive up on the lot and you're like, oh God, I got to go out here and talk to these guys. They're going to think I'm a dickhead. And, you know, I don't want to be here either and all this kind of stuff. And it's, I, I, I empathize with you, you know, so I'm not saying right. it's a, a bullshit belief. But if you're cool about selling, it's totally fine. And where people screw up with selling is they like try to disguise the fact that they're selling almost, or they try to like do these bullshit closes and fake things. And which uh, just worsens it because that, you know, people can feel that. It's 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 the same you know, it's a, people love to be sold. They hate to be pressured. Right. You know? So it's that it's that being persuaded in an area or in a direction that just really doesn't quite fit. You're not in. It's like trying to dance with someone that you're not really dancing with. It yeah. is, it's, and so selling in and of itself is wonderful. It's just the the motive behind it, where you're actually taking the person. And I think you're absolutely right. People have this negative connotation about it, and if they don't get that crap out of their head, mm -hmm. they're going to screw everything up. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they try to go sideways about it. Or as, as our friend John Carlton says, they sell from their heels. You know, where they're right. like, I'm sort of trying to sell you, but I'm not really, I'm scared to death. So the way that it always works for me is just to be completely overt about it, but be cool and respectful to the to What the do you client. mean by completely overt? Explain that. Oh, here, I'll, I'll make a pitch right now. This this one variation of this pitch that I did got me like 2,000 customers in nine minutes or something. It was crazy. Okay. All right, so here, here it was. And this wasn't a piece of paper. It was some other stuff, but this is my prop for the day. And here's the pitch I made. Hi, everybody. Frank Kern here, and today I've got a blatant bribe to get you to try this piece of paper. And here's why I'm being so blatant about this, and here's what I want you to do. This piece of paper is really important to me, and I know it's going to be really important to you because it contains the top ten magic sentences you can say to get anyone to buy anything, assuming you're selling something of value and integrity, which I know that you will. And because I know this is so valuable today, I'm going to just bribe you into accepting it on a trial basis. So what I'm going to give to you, if you take this thing on a trial basis, is I'm going to give you Joe Polish's home phone number. I'm also going to give you the much-coveted, rarely-seen photographs of Joe Polish and that goat circa 1993, back when uh, Van Halen got together only briefly. I'm also going to give you uh, a kidney. So 
Here's the way this is going to work. Uh, there's a little button below this video, uh, and you can click on it, and you can uh, have me ship this thing to you. And if you'll just pay the cost of shipping, I'll give you all these pictures of Joe and the kidney for free just to get you to try this piece of paper. If you like the piece of paper, that's great. I'm pretty sure you will, but I don't know. I'm not psychic. If you like it, it's just uh, $974,000. And... Um, if you don't like it, don't worry about it. Just let me know and we'll never bill you. You can send it back. So, uh, listen, I don't have a lot of these things available because, you know, I really don't know how this little uh, test is going to work out. But uh, if you want it, I suggest you uh, you get on this now because, like I said, these are lots of free gifts just for trying out this piece of paper and all you got to do is pay shipping. Okay, so cool. Enjoy making this video for you. Hope you have a great day and uh, there's a button below. Bam. That's it. I mean, that, that seems like idiotically stupid, right. doesn't it? But it works because people are <clears> like, oh, thank you so much for not being a dipshit. Right. You know, it's to the point. It's, it's essentially the three steps that John Carlton taught me, which is like to say, here's what I got. Here's what it's going to do for you. Here's what I want you to do next. Right. You know, and the more you can just boil that down, assuming you've got something people want in the first place, your work is really done. You know, there's no need for any jujitsu or, or judo or anything stupid. But there's a major distinction there, and that is assuming you've got something people want in the first place. And I think that's where people screw up, and that's when selling gets hard, when you have to con convince someone to accept something they don't already want. Okay, well, yeah. what, what you're saying here is so critical, because the best marketing on the planet is not going to help some, selling something that nobody wants. So right. uh, the first thing that someone needs to, that needs to exist before you can sell anything is desire. Right. If, if somebody doesn't desire it, then the best copy, the best marketing, the best sales pitch, you know, a celebrity endorsement uh, is not going to take it very far, uh, if, 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 if at all. And so um, how do you find what people are interested in? I cheat. I just look and see what they're buying already. Right. You know, if I come starting a new project or whatever, I'll say, okay, well, what's selling now uh, that I can produce a better product, a similar yet better product with superior marketing? That's it. You know, I mean, it's like, well, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. Dear God, that would be <laughs> that would be difficult. But there's really, you know, there's only three reasons, I think, that people don't buy, right? And, and reason number one is they don't want it. Reason number two is they don't have the money to buy it. Reason number three is they don't believe you. Right. All right. So if you just get over all those reasons, you're pretty much set. You know, and the easiest way to find out what people want to buy is what they're buying already. You know, it's like, why go out and try to create this new mousetrap? You know, I mean, it's like if they're buying little wooden mousetraps, let's make a cooler looking wooden mousetrap with a neater name, better marketing, and sell that thing. You'll okay. have easier money. Okay. So, I mean, how do you find what someone's already buying? Well, when I do it online, uh, I'll go to a site like uh, ClickBank, for example, which if you, you know if anyone follows me, they're like, everyone knows about ClickBank. People maybe in the Genius Network uh, with you probably don't, but it's a marketplace where you can be a vendor or an affiliate and promote other people's products. And it allows you to search through by category for what the most popular products are in their marketplace. Right. And it allows you to see how many of those products are sold on a referral basis. And you can sort the results. You know, so you can you say, show me the most popular product in the uh, pets and family category that has the most sales that are driven by other people's referrals. So if I see a product that's selling like crazy in this thing, and most of the sales are coming from other people spending their marketing dollar to sell it, I know people are, it's, it's like, you know, 90% chance you're onto something as a product, right? Because otherwise it wouldn't be so popular and other affiliates wouldn't be spending their hard-earned money to sell it, right? So 
logic dictates that, like, okay, well, if I have expertise in this area or can buy expertise in this area and simply apply superior marketing to this herd of people that this dude's already selling to, then I'll win and I'll make lots of money. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I wish we could, like, figure out a way to say that over a three-day seminar or something. we charge a lot of money for it. You know, but I think you actually kind of have. Well, don't, don't tell anybody about that. Yeah. 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 Well. Um, <laughs> you've got very, very pretty blue eyes. I I do, really? Yeah, yeah, I, just, I, I just wanted to mention. Yeah, I had these done. Are those contacts? Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. What? How would you um, make the decision between a good opportunity and a bad opportunity? I mean, what's a smart pursuit? What's a dumb pursuit? I mean, you are a guy now that's had uh, a, a good level of success. Lots of people want your attention. Lots of people want your time. You have more things thrown at you than you could ever possibly do in a lifetime, probably on a monthly basis. Uh, how do you decide what to pursue, what not to pursue? More, this is more like a time management. How does Frank Kern make decisions on where to spend your energy on? Well, the, um, the, I'll give you the honest answer and then the answer that it should be. Right. The honest answer is that I really have no system for it at all, and it just depends on my mood. And it's I have a very difficult time saying no to anybody. So lots of times I'll get involved in projects that I, I think are cool for like ten seconds, and I'm like, oh, why in the hell did I? Oh, come on, you know. Yeah, that's the honest answer. The the answer which should be adhered to, and this is like a do as I say, not as I do type of thing, is it's a two two uh, columns of criteria, I guess, that should be met. One, is it going to be any fun? Two, is it going to make a lot of money? You know, and the varying levels will will self regulate. You know, so if it's going to be a tremendous amount of fun and it's not going to make a whole lot of money, then it's probably still going to be worthwhile, right? Um, like the work I'm doing with that person that we won't talk about because we don't know if it's cool to talk about him. You know, right. I mean, it's I could maybe generate a large fee from this, but m- my interest in helping this person is I get to work with this really famous and impactful person who's cool. So I was like, well, yeah, you know, easy decision to make. Um, or if it's not really going to be that fun, but it's going to make a tremendous amount of money, that could be a viable approach for someone to take if they don't already have a tremendous amount of money and they're willing to sacrifice a little lifestyle right. for the money. You know, And this is all pre-assuming that all opportunities that even get to this funneling process are legitimate. Right. You know, I mean, you should never consider anything that's remotely funky or shady or won't add a lot of value to people and things like that. Well, you know, I mean, like what you were saying with selling, I mean, one of my... My well, not one of um, my favorite definition of selling uh, came from my friend Dan Sullivan, who founded a company called Strategic Coach. Brilliant guy, and I asked him one day. I said, "What's your definition of selling?" And he blurted out, "He said um, getting someone intellectually engaged in a future result that's good for them, and then getting them to emotionally commit to take action to achieve that result." That's just what he said. And How I, could you possibly come up come up with that off the top off of your top head, of his head? He did. We, yeah, he, I bet he dude, practiced that. Dan's a, Dan's a smart dude, and and um, so I wrote that down and. The, the key distinction is if you think about what people want, you know, it's it's a future result. If anyone's buying anything, even if there's someone that doesn't set goals, you know, I mean, if you your future result might be I'm hungry right now and I want to go have dinner, so there's 10 restaurants in front of me, which one should I walk into to, you know, I'm going to change my course in life and I'm going to, you know, go to this three-day seminar or I'm going to invest in whatever or, 
you know, I'm going to buy a $100,000 car because it represents whatever emotional feeling I'm going to get out of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting someone intellectually engaged in a future result and then getting them to emotionally commit to take action to achieve that result. But the, the, wor- the three words that are inserted into it is getting someone intellectually engaged in a future result that's good for them and then getting them to emotionally commit to take action to achieve that result. And when we were talking about selling earlier and people having this negative connotation to it, is if you're ever put in a situation where someone persuades you and gets you intellectually, emotionally engaged in eating junk food, you know, drinking yourself into oblivion, wasting a bunch of time, you know, things that just simply aren't good for you, they can pull all your, you, you know, your hot buttons if they know how to talk to you, if they know how to use imagery. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of forces in the world that are constantly trying to get people to make decisions to get them intellectually and emotionally engaged in whatever. But the key is when you're doing stuff that's good for people, I think you almost have a a moral obligation to do everything humanly possible to get that person into that position if it's going to help them and add value in their life. And I think if people think of selling that way, then all of a sudden selling no longer is a bad thing, but then you start to realize that that's the only thing that ever gets the world anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Mother Teresa was a great salesperson, got people intellectually, emotionally engaged in a future result that was good for them. You know, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Jesus Christ. You know, you could take any person that was influential and persuasive and, you know, do that. Or you can be someone that was an evil bastard and got people intellectually, emotionally engaged in order to do something. And I don't even know what the hell I was talking about there, where that came from. But you, you, said, yeah. you said something. It sounded very you, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. said something that, uh, what were you saying that actually triggered that thought? I have no, I can only maintain the memory of like the past 30, 40 seconds. Right. Well, and if, yeah. the, if this was a really important person I was interviewed, I would go back and edit this well, just to make sure. Well, that's the want to do. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I think we were just talking about reasons why people don't buy and, uh, uh, and you know they don't believe you or, or whatever. And well, okay. We, well, we led up to that. Th- that leads to another thought. The, the 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 big question in everyone's mind is who can I trust? Mm-hmm. And so whenever we're trying to sell something, you know, when someone's going to click, you know, a button and buy mass control, or they're going to buy one of your products, they're sitting there questioning, should I do it? Should I give Frank this money? So. Mm-hmm. You have built up this anticipation, you've built up this desire, and you've convinced them that giving you money is a good thing, and they've trusted, they they now trust you. So, how would you break down the criteria of what's going on psychologically in a person to where that I don't know this person at all. I've never met him. I just watched video a video on a website, or I've read some copy. I now buy this thing. What What do you think is going on in that person to to now they're going to give you money? Well, if if they have that thought train going on in their mind, then I haven't done a good job because I don't want them to ever think I don't know this person. I want my marketing and all the stuff that I do to emulate uh, the effects of a lifelong friendship. You know, so I want them to feel like they've known me all their lives before it's ever time to ask for any money. And I do that through the use of the character, you know, that, that is me, but I'm often, you know, an embellished version of myself, right? right. So, like, if I were on stage with you right now, it would be a lot more laid back, you know, and I'd have some profanity in there, and we talk about drinking beers and partying and surfing and stuff like that. Um, but it's still an embellishment of, of what is really there, you know, so that core, that core person. So, yeah, I think what happens is I, I do my best to eliminate that sense of uncertainty. You know, because if if someone, let's say that 
random person here delivers presentation, right. and uh, best friend all throughout high school, best man at your wedding delivers presentation. Same presentation, same product, same words, emotions invoked and spoken. You're most likely going to pay attention to best friend from high school, right? So if I can create those same associations and that same feeling of trust by making them feel like they've known me all their lives and making them feel like I'm speaking directly to them, not just to them on a one-on-one basis, but to their most their innermost desires for what they want and what they want to be and what they want to experience. If I can create that connection, then I know that I've got the trust. You know, I know they feel like they've known me for for all their lives and that I'm their friend. Okay. And well, the well, you didn't just like wake up one day and you kind of got that. I mean, this came from a lot I mean, uh, you're, you're, I would imagine, how do you learn? I mean, have you read a lot of books? You, I mean, what do you do? What, what, cause there's people out there that are obviously watching this interview because they're trying to learn something. Mm-hmm. So this is a learning process. Right. And you have had your own learning process. And I know, I mean, even tomorrow you're going to go do some consulting. I mean, you're a guy that constantly spends money on your own education. And, mm-hmm. and what I also know is that the most successful people I know in business, they're never too cool for school. They never stop learning. The, the right. people that, I see hit a point is when they get to a point where, where their, their pursuit of education, um, stops and they think they've arrived. And that is when I see people like start going downhill. Mm-hmm. So, um, people that are watching this, uh, kind of give a little bit of background on what you've actually invested in your own knowledge and then what you, you recommend as things that people could or should do to. Like who I study? Or yeah, who you playing? study or just like, you know, what, what is, you know, if you had to sit and tell your best friend, look, you know, you want to learn marketing, here's what I would do. I mean, and that could be, you know, buy your stuff, do whatever. I mean, yeah. what, what, what would you, what do you currently do? How have you learned your marketing? And then what would you recommend to people that are watching? There's two, there's really like a three pronged, uh, school of stuff for me. In terms of hardcore direct response marketing, the, the fundamentals and the mechanics, it would be unquestioningly uh, Dan Kennedy, uh-huh. for sure. You know, I mean, take away everything but Dan Kennedy, and I'll go out and make, you know, you lobotomized me and just gave me Dan, just like easily do it all over again. So that's the fundamental uh, stuff of direct response. For if you were the, to get in a fight with Dan, you think you could take him? I hadn't met him. I probably could take him because I exercise a lot with the surfing and everything, right. and I'm young. Right. You right. know? So, uh, but that stash, Jim, I mean, he's got the hook, that hook mustache. Oh, yeah. I know. You never know, him. you never know. He could have, he could have teeth under the, uh, well, he could have powers. I think a, a mustache like that probably, you know, uh, stored up for all those years gives a lot. Like a rabid, uh, like a rabid walrus, Dan. <laughs> yeah, probably. Us. Well, I could still totally kick his ass. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just a younger person. I'm going to make sure that Dan watches this just yeah. to see that too. Well, I'm going to see him I'm, soon and I'll be like, hey, what are you going to do about it? You right. know? Right. He'll exactly. be like, I'll talk you into kicking your own ass. I'm like, damn, you probably could. <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me this? That's no fair, you know. And then I'd beat myself up. So there's that that fundamental school, would be like the Dan Kennedys. Uh, you know, Gary Halbert was another great one. John Carlton for writing copy. But if I had to distill everything down, it'd be Dan for sure. Yeah. So then, school number two would be like. I would say hardcore psychology, but I don't know if it's really hardcore. But that genre of like, uh, uh, you know, magic arts. Sort of thing, right? And I learned a tremendous amount from uh, from studying, both studying and modeling Tony Robbins. 
uh, in that. So he's huge in terms of like, well, what's really driving behavior? You know, what's really driving decisions? That's right. that's where I learned and, and got that people are, are buying an emotion when they buy. Like, really, they're buying an emotion. They're buying that feeling, and it's often a quick burst. And they would rather have that quick burst feeling than than do the work to maintain, you know, that, uh, an elongated sense of that feeling. So that's school of thought number two. Um, number three, and this is going to be weird, but it's vitally important, I think, is the art of conversational dialogue in your copy, in the written word, and 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 the art of making a point really quickly, and in the simplest terms imaginable. You know, and and I learned that and continue to learn that from reading trash fiction. Really? Yes, I'm reading trash a fiction. Tremendous amount of trash fiction. Really? Uh, yeah, and the, the, and I tell this to everyone, and they're like, "You got to be kidding me!" I'm going to write that down. Trash fiction. Uh, what would be an example of trash fiction? Harold Robbins. Harold Robbins is a guy who, unless my facts are inaccurate, which is highly possible, <laughs> you know, let's just assume this is true. Uh, it's going to be close to true anyway. Was the best-selling fiction author of all time. Um, he might have been surpassed by James Patterson at this point, who's another one that I read voraciously, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Robbins, I think, sold like 60 million or it was 25,000 a day or some insane amount of, of books. And they're all horrible, trash, garbage. But they're good. You read them and you're just like, this is the worst stuff I've ever read in my life. You know, and you're, honey, it's time for, I don't have time to eat now. I'm reading this absolute garbage. You know what I mean? You're hooked on it. You right, read, right. You know? And uh, <clears throat> so there's him and there's James Patterson's another one. And the reason why I read these guys is because so many other people read them. Right, so if you want to learn how to get into the the mindset of, of like just the general populace, well, read what they're reading. Yeah, you know, and if if you want to enter the conversation in their head, like literally read what's what's starting that conversation and what they're thinking about, because like I think the number right now for James Patterson is 140 million books sold, and uh, that's somewhere in that range. All right, so right now there's 140 million people. Who, if I made a James Patterson reference, they would get it, right? So it's like, okay, not that I'm saying go make James Patterson references in your copy because that it might backfire, but pay attention to how these people write and how they communicate. For example, Patterson, um, it's so hard not to read his books, in my opinion. For first of all, they're good, right? But every chapter, on average, that I've noticed is about six pages long, which tells us that information you want people to consume must be not only chunked but like micro chunked. Right down, you know, and every chapter has a beginning, and then right at the end of the chapter, something's about to happen. It's not a cliffhanger, but it's something, right? You know, so like, then by the time I got home, all the lights were off. So then you're like, well, why were all the lights off? Damn it, you know. And then you got to read, but it's not this long chapter that's coming up. Where you're like, ah, uh, you know, it's just six pages, but you're consuming these little tiny bite-sized chunks. Next thing you know, it's three in the damn morning. You know what I mean? So. Well, you you've just revealed a very fascinating little secret to your thing because you have a lot of cliffhangers in your copy and in your videos. You have a very, you know, in terms of long copy people, you're someone that conveys a lot, but you do it in chunks mm-hmm. and you keep leading people to the next step. Right. And having said that, we're going to take a break for a moment. And since this is a Frank Kern interview, I don't have to be ultra professional here. Oh, yes, you do. I'm going to take this mic off and I'm going to do something, but everyone's going to have to guess what that's going to be. And then we'll be right back. (laughs) So hold that thought. Why don't you leave the mic on? This is a cliffhanger. Yeah. It's a cliffhanger right here. Okay. I'm just going to sit here. You're just going to hang out. You guys are going to hang out. So just don't even stop the video. Just stare deeply into Frank's blue eyes. Yeah. And marketing secrets will be revealed. I saw that. 
All right. So we were talking about before I decided to depart for a few moments. Right. Um, do something very mysterious. No one would ever wonder what possibly. Exactly. I left the I left the door and then I came back and you had no right. idea what the hell was going on. It's did weird. you? Did you? I, I'm thinking you probably piloted a helicopter <laughs> around. I, I, was, I was I was doing I was doing some serious stuff. Okay. Um, I do work for a secret government agency. I knew it. I just didn't yeah. Well, it. let me go I, ahead and write you a check now. I, I had to go yeah. to brief. Um, we we're talking about trash fiction. Right, something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, any favorite ones that you've uh, by Harold Robbins or Robbins is um, uh, the Carpet Baggers, I'd say. Hey, since I'm from the carpet cleaning business, does that have well, anything you to go. do with that? Yeah, here, here are all of Harold Robbins' story um, summed up into one. And there, I really have yet to read anything by Harold Robbins. I didn't enjoy, but the formula is this: guy starts out with nothing, goes through a bunch of hard times, um, makes lots of money. Achieves great success, deals with some enemies, bests them, uh, gets taken down somehow, and then rises back up and finishes on top, all while, A, drinking nonstop, (laughs) and B, having sex with uh, lots of women. Huh. Yeah. I don't think anyone would be interested in that sort of story. No, it's It's surprising. Yeah, I I get offended just thinking about it. I I can't even think of any movies or anything that would ever follow that formula. Yeah, (laughs) but that's the formula every single time, you know, and it's it's very uh, profane in lots of places, and it's graphic, you know, uh, but it's good. It's it's a good read, and the guy sold a gazillion, you know. I wish I knew the accurate stats now, uh, but I don't. But it was, like, an ungodly amount of books just to the point where you're just like man and now they're, they're being re-released you know they're out of print for a while and now they're being re-released and reconsumed and movies have been made out of them and everything so start with uh, the carpetbaggers it's good okay that's good and, and it's about business lots of it, it always is you know it's businessy stuff you know but it's uh, i'll leave it at that that's a good recommendation all right mm-hmm. now this the Profanity. I want to talk about profanity for right. a moment. Uh, you use a lot of profanity at your mm-hmm. seminars. Uh, I think, for one, I think it's hysterical, and I think that's what makes you so damn funny and your seminars so funny. And, and, and you also bond with people mm-hmm. well. Some people can pull it off, other people can't. Um, and I've had lots of people in my career, you know, I've sat down with some very famous, very successful, very wealthy people. And in most boardrooms behind closed doors, people are cussing up a storm, you know. And then there, you'll run across certain people that are just fanatical about how it's unprofessional, inappropriate, and everything. And one of the things that I know for a fact that there's a strategy behind it. One of the ways that I've networked, and I know a lot of people, and I and I introduce a lot of people together, is you just freaking break the ice mm-hmm. by just talking like a real human being, mm-hmm. uh, if you want it, whatever you want to call a real human being. But the point is, is that just breaking the ice with people and getting chummy with them is one of the quickest, fastest ways to build rapport. And you're really darn good at, at building rapport using a very unique method of doing it, and you know, and it, there's a strategy to it. And I wanted to see if you could actually speak to that because a lot of people will just say, oh, that's just, you know, the guy's rude or the, whatever. But in reality, right. you know, you're a guy that's, you know, made millions of dollars. You have a, a huge following of people. You're looked upon in the, the launch world, the internet marketing world is one of the top people on the planet when it comes to marketing. And you're just guy with this wacky ass personality. So what's that all about? Um, well, uh, the, the profanity is used as a state breaker, 
uh, kind of an you know, and I will admit that I really don't know anything about NLP, which people are like, gosh, NLP, this was amazing. I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. I intentionally used the reverse, you know, uh, double-banded monkey technique or whatever right, the hell they're talking right. about. I have no clue what they're talking about. I agree. But I've sort of know a little bit about this thing. So people will get, people will go to like a, a seminar, and, and you're talking about live interactions, you know, right. and presentations and stuff. And people will go to an internet marketing seminar and they'll be, uh, they'll expect a certain scenario, right? And they're prepared for this scenario. And because of that, they've got like this shell around them, you know, and it's usually like, well, this guy's going to try to sell me something, which naturally I'm going to try to sell you something. Okay. Um, and this is going to be serious or whatever and all this kind of stuff. So I like to break that state and break that whole pattern. Because usually it's every, you know, you get to go to every seminar in the world and it's like a, a, a pattern, you know. It's like right. you get there, you have your opening remarks, you have your lame joke, then you have your PowerPoint, then you break, then you have your PowerPoint, next speaker pitch, next speaker pitch, laughter lunch, everyone's tired. And this is like, you know, bam, a formulaic thing. So I like to come there and immediately break the state by saying something like, uh, stand up, motherfuckers. You know, and then they're just like, what the hell was that? And now I'm, they're completely off balance. So it's just like uh, Aikido or Judo or something. You know, if the guy's like off balance and bam, you, you win immediately right. once that person gets off balance. Right. So once I shift them, I break that pattern, I get, get them off of their balance, then immediately. I'm going to put my arm up here. Don't try to take that as. What are you trying to say? <laughs> that I should not take that. Why wouldn't I take that? What, what about everything else you've told me off camera? Yeah. What the hell? No, I mean that still. That that, no, that still applies. It's still okay. this not it's right now. Okay, fine. It's not right, right now. Jesus, I almost <laughs> blew the whole interview. You know. So anyway, once you get them off balance, then I can start. You know, I can start going to work on them. Right. A little bit. You know, and I'll throw it in there to make make sure they're awake because it's extremely difficult to pay attention. Uh, not from the, well, also from the presenter's point of view, but from a, an attendee's point of view in a live seminar. You know, it's. You kidding me? Well, well, here, here's a distinction, though, because it's really you just being you, though. I've seen people try to emulate what it is you're doing, and they completely come across as jackasses. And right. if they don't pull it off, they come across as rude. And in a lot of ways, it's completely inappropriate. You know, whereas, you know, you just are able to flow with it. So it's not, you know, I don't, uh, what I don't want to convey is that the lesson here is start cussing at your seminars right. and, and insulting your audience. It's part of, it, it's, it's part of just who you are and how you do things. But I think there's just a lot to it. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's something about when, you know, there's a viralness to your stuff. You know, mm -hmm. when people say, have you seen Frank Kern's new video? Or have you seen Frank do this? I mean, that's, that's a, you've, you've actually penetrated. Don't take that out of context. You've <laughs> actually. say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just had, yeah, yeah. yeah see, you don't need to say anything. It's just right. all over your face. You know, if you <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I was going to say, if you do it in multiple modalities by audio and video, you can have double penetration. Right. Yeah. You do sound like you know NLP, the double no, modalities. They... <laughs> that was, I'm not even going to go there. Jesus. And see, I'm sitting there trying to be appropriate. You know, right. off video, it's a whole nother thing. But, you know, I'm trying to represent professionalism here in America. They're getting today, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you, they're like, they're, no, but I mean, they're, they're going, honey, get the credit card. Say, how much are we paying for this crap? Good lord, it gets good. You stick with it for a couple hours, and eventually it'll get good. You know, because we'll serve refreshments. Well, I, I mean, how how do you think you're able to like pull this sort of stuff off, though? It's pre-framing. Is exactly what it is. I mean, there's if I went up there and I, I looked like a normal person, and I had on a suit and tie, and the, I was introduced as, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome a man of great achievements who's been a tremendous asset to the marketing community. Uh, he's helped many people make lots of money, um, all the way from San Diego, California. Here's Frank Kern. You right. know, I got up there and right. I got on my dark suit, and I'm like, thank you, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here.
here uh, in Cincinnati. And by the way, uh, get up, motherfuckers. That would totally wouldn't work. Right, right. You know, but I go up there, jeans, flip-flops, T-shirt. Uh, you know, the, the event that you're talking about specifically, I went up and I had Led Zeppelin blaring as soon as I took the stage. And it was at the Hard Rock. And it was a, a theme. Like, everything was pre-framed and staged. So the, uh, you, the audience went into that event not in the state of mind, well, somewhat, because all seminars were the same to them. Right. You know, but not in that mm. this is going to be professional state of mind. So I was in the right element. You know, it was all framed correctly. Gotcha. I mean, you can't, like, you you know, weird obscenities from a guy that looks like me is not <laughs> is not going to throw anyone off kilter. Right. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, that's uh, hopefully that answers. No, question. That, that, yeah. that's good. All right. Well, uh, Gary <clears throat> Halbert is who I originally learned marketing from, and he um, was just brilliant. I, I mean, crazy, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, crazy like a fox. <laughs> great, yeah. just great. You know, Gary was crazy. Gary was an edge walker. You know, he's one of those guys you either loved him or you hated him. Uh, one of the most brilliant copywriters. He's the one that introduced me to Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy used to write my copy for about nine years straight. Did a lot of seminars with him. You know, I met John Carlton and a whole slew of people through that whole world. So, I mean, both of us studied and hung out with a lot of the same people. And I ended up becoming really good friends with Gary. He passed away, um, you know, done. Uh, couple years ago at this point yeah but um uh basically he we used to have a lot of conversations about elegant ideas and i have to credit him for giving me that term in the way that i think about it that one elegant idea is worth a a thousand semi-good ideas and so in your career in your business what would you consider to be some of the elegant ideas that have made you the most money that have made your clients the most money that sort of that have been just significant in you know, whatever you would call financial success. Jesus, Joe. Um, Hit us with some good stuff. <laughs> what you oh, I, these like crap, favorite colors. I don't know these, that, what these crappy little, you know, answers. There was about. no preparation <clears throat> to that at all. And I've got to I come up with something good. Right. That was a really good question. Um, uh, you know, I'll tell you the, the most effective thing that, that has worked well for me and has worked well for my customers was the, the idea and the revelation to drop the pretense and just to not really give quite as much of a fuck. Um, and here's how it happened. <laughs> you know, well, right, well, here's what I mean. It's, do you play music at all? Uh, unfortunately, you know, I tried to play the bass guitar. I never got really good at it. Yeah. But, you know, I've dabbled. Yeah, you, I don't think you'd have the right facial expression for bass guitar. You have to kind of be, like, really stone-faced if you're playing bass. <laughs> you know, look at them. Now they're all like... Right. You know what I mean? That's probably so, why I didn't do it. Yeah, that's so it would be hard for me, too. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's all in the facial expression. I threw pots on a potter wheel for a while. That's, you know. Right, well, so you imagine doing that, okay? <clears throat> and imagine doing that in the state of, like, i got to do this pot perfectly, and, you know, it's got to be really good. Lots of people are watching me throw this pot. Right. You know, and you do it, and it's, like, going to suck, you know, because you're flipped out right. by it. And it's the same. The reason I brought up music is because I used to play, um, you know, professionally as a loosely used phrase here um, but for four years i was on the road and um which is why i can't hear worth a damn but um if, if you get if you ever go in there with the mindset of this really better be good and you get tight then it, it, it's conveyed through your playing right and you don't right. play well and you don't read the other guys well and it's just all it's, it sucks you know so i used to market like that like this has got to be good everything's got to be perfect you know i got to like be professional and look good and uh, then in 2001, I was sued by the Federal Trade Commission, and uh, they sued me for a product I created called Instant Internet Empires, and they said that it was a pyramid scheme. And uh, I'm still sort of at a loss on how that was a pyramid scheme, and I was like, you know what, whatever, okay, 
what do you want me to do? And they said, give us a whole bunch of money. I said, great. Tell me what not to do again. I won't do that again. They said, all right, you know, here's what you'd never do again. I said, fine, you know, call me next time and we'll save lots of trouble. And, um, <clears throat> but after that happened, I was just, I was kind of mad. And, and I said, you know, to hell with teaching marketing at all. Um, I don't even want to deal with it because I was, I was so freaked out. I was like, everything I do, am I, am I allowed to, you know, say this? Am I allowed to say that the, by doing marketing, you could potentially make money or am I going to get in trouble or whatever? So I was like, I'm just going to go sell stuff to the pet industry, right. you know, the complete opposite. So I built that business up and it was a million dollar a year business, um, with no back end, if you can believe that. And I was so lazy. I never even made a back end, which was just stupid. Anyway, it was another like, do it, <laughs> not what I say kind of thing, you know, right. or wait, no, do what I say, not what I do. So I, 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 I become very successful in the niche thing. I'm like, you know what? I've got some stuff to offer. And I should start teaching because, like, I'm one of the only guys, if not the only guy. Um, well, now there's Evan, clearly, is, is also. Uh, but, you know, one of the rare people who can teach this stuff and has also built, uh, you know, a, a million-dollar business right. uh, outside <clears throat> of teaching how to make money. You know, so I was like, well, shit, I'm going to go and teach this stuff because this is really good and I can be of tremendous value and get paid for it. So I go out and I decide to start doing it. And I had this attitude of, like, you know, I'm just going to be myself here. And if they don't like it, fuck them. Because I don't need the damn money, and right. they can kiss my ass, you know. And damn, if that didn't really work. Uh, so what I was able to do, and, and I don't mean like my marketing is aggressive and like, hey, I'm Frank Kern, screw you, you know, because I'm not like that at all. But what it enabled me to do was not try to be so perfect about it and just be like, hey, listen, here's the deal. You know, this is the stuff. Here's what it's going to do for you, or I think it's going to do for you. It might not because I'm not psychic, but here's the offer I've gotten, and I hope you take it. And I was able to start selling from that perspective. And that was what, so What's powerful. the word with the C? Colloquial? Writing in a... What's that word? Colloquial. Yes. Right. What does that mean? Uh, well, to me, it means just super common speech. You uh -huh. know, just like what you would talk... How you would speak if you were at the bar. You know, working man's language. The commoners. What the, <laughs> what the commoners talk like. Yes. As opposed to people in our elevated social position. Yeah. Because clearly we're... So basically, you just kind of like... Loosened up. Well, I loosened up, but I just quit giving so much of a damn, and I dropped this professional pretense. Right, so I used to like show up to events and ties and stuff, and like try to act normal, even though I'm not a normal dude. You know, right. like I really do want to sit around, and play video games, and hang out. So once I was able to, I, I just, I'm just going to be myself. And I'm going to say, here's here's the offer. I hope you like it. If you don't, maybe it's not for you. Whatever, but here it is, and you know, I believe in it, and here's why it's been. So, to you. so that significantly impacted the way that people would respond to stuff. Huge. That, before I started doing that, I was, you know, had an okay following, and I did pretty good. Once I started doing that. Blammo. I mean, just really massive, massive, significant change. And once my clients started doing that, it was huge. Okay. You know, once they went away from, like, giving corporate serious-looking video presentations to, like, a dude, to basically being the prospect's friend, talking to them like they were their friend, saying, hey, man, like, imagine, like, you know, I'm, we're friends, and you call me up, and you say, dude, you should really go see, uh, you know, Quantum of Solace, right. right, the new James Bond movie. And I'm like... Well, I, I don't know. I don't really like James Bond. I think he's lame. You know, like, well, dude, uh, you know, it's still it's pretty cool because this, this, and this. So I'm just saying, you know, you might want to go see it. I really dug it. All right, dude. Well, maybe I'll go see it. Okay, see you later. That's like a normal conversation. Right. All right? There's none of this, no, you have to go see it today. And if uh, if you go see it today, I'm like, you know, there's none of this, like, stupid lameness. Well, I, I determined that, you know, what we really want when we're when we're doing business with someone is we want a friend. We want someone we can trust. So why not act like... 
a friend, someone that they can trust, and right. talk like a friend, someone they can trust, and carry yourself and be a friend of that person and be someone they can trust, as opposed to this facade, this premeditated, calculated, you know, stiff bullshit facade right. type of thing. So that's a really long explanation. No, no, of, that, of that, what that is talking about. But that is very good. That's very yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's. And, and, and doing that and, and proving to my clients that it's, that you can sell a lot of stuff by not being perfect and just be like being a normal person. Right. What, at, at what happened was they not only started using that approach, but people who wouldn't take action before because they thought it was too hard and they thought they had to be perfect started taking action and therefore started making money and making a lot of it. So as, as basic and fundamental as it sounds, that was really big and powerful to me. That, okay. So now you, you also um, are a great copywriter. I don't know how you would consider yourself a writing copy, but okay. I, th- I think you're pretty good. Yeah. And one of the things that, like uh, Gary Halbert, had this comment uh, where he said, yeah, "All the all the all problems in the world can be solved with the right sales letter." I think he's he's onto something with that. I think he's absolutely onto something. Yeah. And, and for years, you know, I was like, eh, you know, a lot of things can't be solved with a sales letter. But the more I thought about it, it's like, you know, almost anything could be solved with a sales letter. It may not completely solve the problem, but at least it could move you towards it. And what I what I mean by sales letters in today's you know day and age, uh, it could mean on video, it could mean audio, it could be, you know, in person, whatever. But it's it's the words you say, and I think um, the ability to convey powerful persuasive language in print wherever is mm. one of the most, if not the most important uh, skill in, in marketing. I mean, uh, copy is the oxygen that makes all of the, the marketing work. And what, what could you speak to just on what copy is, why to use it? Because a lot of people that just don't do well in marketing, they just don't, they undervalue the importance of, of good copy. And, you know, you talked about John Carlton, who's awesome dude, smart as heck. And, you know, copy is king when it comes to, to promotions. It, if, if you have a, the best product in the world, but you have lousy abilities to communicate why it's a great, you know, it's just not going to fly. So thoughts on, on copy. Well, A, you're right, obviously. You of know, course. Um, yes. Yeah, as always. Right. You know, once again, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Joe Polish is correct. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, dude, I mean, shit, uh, it's, it's vital. But I, what I would advise people to do and what what works for me is, uh, A, just don't worry about it. I mean, just mellow out. People get so freaked out, you know, and I think... I think the reason why is because, like, what does this scene remind you of? Okay, I'll just... Is there anything? Is this blank? All right, so here I am. Blank piece of paper. He's going to write on my notebook. What is, I'm not going to write, but what does this look like? Kid at school, right? I mean, this yeah. is, we, we, you know, you sit down to write copy, and you have this blank, and now it's a computer right? most of the time, right? Uh, but you, you, you go back, like this anchor was placed into our psyche as kids, and, and that anchor makes us feel like writing something with this blank thing facing us is a monumental and horrifying and terrible task. Because right. it means term paper. It means essay. You know, it means dissertation or whatever other things, thesis, for all those of you who have written theses, you know, um, which I wrote one on air. Or on Did you ever get a college degree? And an astrophysicist. That's what I thought. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing of the sort. I was kicked out. Literally was academically dismissed in the least amount of time you can possibly go to college. That's how long I lasted. Really? They're like, and <clears throat> go out of here. You know, that was literally it. So and good for them because that was a total waste of time. Right. Know? But yeah, so we're we're conditioned by life experience to fear 
whether we want to admit it or not, to fear the blank page because of school, you know, really, and because it just, to either fear or dread it, one of the two or both, right? right? So a new a new thought process has to be instilled, right? A new anchor has got to be instilled where the blank page does not equal pain. The blank page equals money, you know, first of all, there's that. The second thing is no one is grading you. So even once people get past, they say, okay, the blank page equals money. Great. Let's write some copy. They, they write it from that perspective I talked about earlier where they're uptight and they're, they're writing it with pretense and they're freaked out. So it's got to be like perfect, you know, and they write as if they're not them. So what I advise people to do and what I try to do is I write as if I'm writing to my ultimate ideal prospect and that that guy has been my best friend since we were little kids. You know, and I don't mean I'm writing like saying, dear Bob, dude, you're so cool. Remember that time we went camping? I'm writing with that level of familiarity that I would speak to my best friend with. So that complete lack of content, because like when it's you and one of your buddies, you've known forever. I mean, you know, you talk about anything with this person. You can say stupid stuff, make stupid jokes, like say, you know, give me that, uh, you know, thing and like not have to use the right word. And they still know what you mean. So, so I write like that. As if I've known that prospect. So it's got to be that, that duality that, you know, you're writing to your ideal prospect, but you have to be writing to him as if you've known each other your entire life and right. that you genuinely care about this person. You know, that's got to come through. And, they, and you have, the only, you can't fake, or I can't fake it anyway. So you have to have that empathy and you have to really care about it. So. Cool, cool. Well, and lots of stuff there in the copy thing. I mean, do, ultimately do, do, that do, translates uh, into easier writing copy because you just sit there and you just write some shit. You know, right. and it's either going to be good or not. And if it's not good, you just go back and you edit a little bit. And that's so much easier than like, okay, okay, headline must be justified to the left. And the left. You know, so come on, forget about it. Right. Well, okay, so um, do you write a lot? You know, I don't write as much as I did because I do so much video. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, now, since your your main environment to sell is on the Internet, mm-hmm. um, you're known for being... Just a brilliant launch guy, knowing how to do. Could you explain what a launch is? How what 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 is a launch when people hear an internet launch? Well, the the concept of launching um, in in the internet space was made popular and invented, in my opinion, by a guy named Jeff Walker. Luke Product Skywalker. Formula. Well, Luke, Luke Skywalker yeah. taught it to Jeff Walker before he passed, unfortunately, right. in a binge drinking accident. <laughs> but so now Jeff Walker was uh, carrying on Luke Skywalker's. Uh, Legacy, and he's ProductLaunchFormula.com, and he started this whole launch thing, you know, and he's got this formulaic approach to product launches, and um, which is only going to last another two weeks, and then yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an and old, then, well, the whole, it's this, an old marketing this fad. internet fad is eventually going <clears> to, <throat> you yeah. know, it's going to go away. <laughs> I wish the Santa Ana was. I've got the, you know, I'm so hoarse from this, and that, and the, you know, the the yelling, constant yelling, right? That uh, so. Yeah, so anyway, so Jeff Walker uh, invents the product launch formula, you know, and um, I, I'm more of a modeler than I am a student, right? Like, I rarely read the book. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, okay, what is this person doing? I'll just do what they're doing. Right. You know, to hell with the book. I'm just going, okay, you know, and that can be good and it can also be bad because if you like someone were to model what I actually do, they might not ever get anything done. Actually, you know, you know one of my, I have a $25,000 person coaching group right. for info marketers and one of the people that's, that's in it is, is Telman Knutson, mm-hmm. which I never get it. I've known Telman for a while and I still can never say his last name right. But anyway, runtelmanrun.com. He's going to raise a hundred million dollars for, uh, for homeless, for homeless kids in America, oh, actually, okay. which wouldn't incorporate you for yeah. Vir- Virgin Unite. But anyway, you know, one of the things he said, he goes, you know, I just followed Frank Kern's mass control step by step 
made three million dollars. It's like just did exactly what he said. But you See, know, he happened to read your stuff. This Whereas could be you, yeah. on the other hand, just kind of look at it and try to model it and probably. Well, when, that, when I created the mask control, well, first of all, let's address the launch thing. So people associate me with launches a lot. Right. I'm not really the launch guy. The launch guy is really Jeff Walker. Yeah. I just I just got involved using my mass control system with some launches that just happened to have been uh, at the time. I think the records have been broken now, but the biggest launches in our and I say our, I mean the internet marketing market space in our history. Um, so I used that to sell right. my stuff. I was like, hey, look at this. And I said, by the way, this isn't even just about launches, you know, so it was like a stacking of benefits on there. But the, I think the reason um, why the, the clients who have purchased the, the mass control product have had success is because I knew, first of all, I actually gave a shit, you know, and I was like, damn it, I want this thing to work. I don't want to just want to send a bunch of stuff to people. I want them to do it so they'll buy more of my stuff, you know. Right. It only <clears> took <throat> 10 years to realize you can sell more stuff to your customers if they like you. <laughs> So I, I kind of figured that one early on. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah. I mean, why don't you call me? Damn, you know? <laughs> what the hell, dude? But anyway, so... Could have saved I, all those years of selling uh, pet just, stuff, you yeah. know? <laughs> or could have sold more stuff to the pet people. I could have a plane by now. <laughs> no plane. You see a plane in here? No, nothing. No plane. No keys to a plane on my key, right? So anyway, I broke it down in these tiny little chunks, you know, and I was like, all right, now, damn it. And I wouldn't give... I was militant. My customers are probably like, you're such an asshole. But I wouldn't let them have... Uh, the next chapter until they'd completed the first one, you know, so it was this like regimented thing. So that was helpful, I think, in the, in, in the success of, of the clientele. I don't even know where we got off. Cause you were no, no, I was, I was asking you about launches really well. because, I mean, w- what's the difference between like a launch and just a regular marketing campaign where you're trying to sell a course? Like if you're going to say you have a $2,000 widget thing glop mm. and you want to sell it just selling it or you want to do a launch with it what what does that mean for someone that doesn't understand what a launch is uh, well you create a tremendous uh, well, first of all a launch is a marketing event mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in my definition of it so you turn the uh, you turn the fact that you're selling something into an event and an experience that your your customers both participate in and they uh, they enjoy being a part of you know, and they feel like they're doing something. And ideally, it's, it's an event, an experience, and a voyage where your prospect and, and soon-to-be customer feels like they're going on this voyage with you from the inception of the idea uh, all the way through the creation of the product and your decision to finally release it. And they're experiencing right along, side-by-side with you, the, the joys and pitfalls of doing so. And by that, I mean, you know, like uh, today, you know, uh, you know, the software is finally ready. Um, however, uh, you know, uh, a one of our programmers got hit by a bus, right. and uh, you know he's he's going to be okay. But it, we found out it delayed it an extra two weeks. But there's an upside to this whole thing. While he was in his narcotic slumber, he had a vision of the brand new, you know, the super feature number two thousand, which we decided to incorporate into the product. So uh, we, we've had a delay, but it's going to be even cooler than we thought. That sort of thing. Gotcha. You know, so they're right along. Everyone, like, oh my god, this is going to be so cool. So that's that's really what a launch is, and and to do it. You create this anticipation and this demand by talking about how cool it is and by bringing people on that journey with you and by moving them along. So there's a, uh, there, there's a strategy that I use called results in advance. So uh, I always talk about it with the dating industry because one of the launches I worked on was, uh, was in the dating world, which was weird because I've been married for almost 10 years. I don't date. Well, I date my wife, but, you know, it's... I'm, Look, as far as what yeah. goes on in that head of yours, there's probably plenty of dating. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, so. and I'll leave it at that. I yeah. I, I'm, I'm tempted to say more, but I won't. <laughs> I mean, it's not. We're not the only people going to watch this. You're, I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> and it's like, why don't you polish me? 
Yeah. No, I, actually, I'm, I'm secretly plotting to get you in huge trouble with your wife. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm probably already in trouble. She's probably calling now. Yeah. She knows. <laughs> you know, she's got this psychic thing on it. But anyway, so results in advance, right? So here's here's part of the launch thing that that works really well for me, and that I teach. And, uh, I shouldn't even teach it in mass control. I just give it away. So imagine that your your customer. I, I tell people to draw, and here we'll do it here, and I'll hold it up to the camera. Okay. And then people who are listening to this on audio are just going to have to be screwed. <laughs> so all you guys listening on audio, if you bought this from Joe, you should demand a refund. Um, so what I like to do is I draw a timeline like this, and I have a beginning, and then I have the outcome. So here's here's the timeline. It's just a line on a piece of paper. All right, and let's say that the ultimate outcome for the prospect in this dating example is to have a relationship. Okay, so a success, and I'll just put SR, which stands for successful relationship. Okay, so SR, right? And at the other end, I'm going to draw my little dude. So here's my little dude. So what I want to do is all throughout my launch uh, and all throughout the campaign, I want to give this guy little pieces of information that move him one step closer to this outcome that he wants, right? I want to give him results in advance because the only reason he's interested in me at all, like, I don't have any delusions that people that are responding to my stuff really give a shit about me, right? They want the result. They want the outcome, which is totally fine, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. I really thought we were friends, but whatever, you know. No one ever calls. They just want the results. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, so then, then you, I, I have this little process, and I say, okay, well, what's gonna, what are some of the steps that can happen between little dude here being like dateless to him having a successful relationship? And that would, and that would draw, draw it out. So step one might be, um, you know, uh, um, approach, right? He would yeah. approach a woman. Step two would be he has a conversation with that woman, and she doesn't, like, punch him in the mouth. Step three would be he gets the phone number. Step four would be he goes on date. You know, step five would be he goes on uh, date two or whatever. And then all the way now, he's got a girlfriend. Right. Right? Because everyone knows after the second date, you have a girlfriend. Right? I mean, that's the law. Yeah, so, pretty much. So here's the timeline <laughs> right now, right, that I've drawn out. So I have the dude, and then this A stands for approach, C stands for conversation, P is phone, D is date, and D2 is date number two. So nothing, nothing fancy. So what I'm going to do is my first piece of content that I release to my group of these dudes that I'm ultimately wanting to sell this result to is my first piece of content would be like a video that says, hey, listen, you know what? Um, I, I get emails and, and phone calls and letters from people all the time, and they say their biggest obstacle right now is, is forget about just getting a date and having a successful relationship. They just want to know how to approach a woman because, you know, you, you go into a bar and you see this beautiful woman and, and you freeze up, right? We've all been there. You don't want to you, you want to go and talk to her and you think of all these things you can say, but how do you, how do you break the ice and she's with her friends? So here are seven ways that you can go up and start approaching women uh, tomorrow and and you know have have the results you're looking for ways that are going to make them not think you're a psych, uh, a freak and a stalker and a psycho. So if you give them that content, now notice I, I, all I'm telling them how to do is this, right? And I'm going to give them like just like two or three little pointers out of a hundred possible pointers for how to approach a woman. But what happens is I give them this piece of content, they consume it, and if they do it, or if they if they envision themselves doing it, I've moved them now one step closer. So now my little dude is here. Right. All right? So he's one step closer. I've given him a little bit of that result in advance. So here's what happens in his mind. Right? He goes, he's thinking to himself, damn, this guy's pretty cool. Okay? Because yesterday uh, I was sitting around all by myself at home, and then I got this video from this dude, and I went to the bar, and I talked to three girls, and it was cool. None of them threw their drink on me. You know? And it was, what do you know? That's amazing. So A, this person is starting to trust me. 
all right, which is which is vital because we know he wants the result, right? Like the, it, most of the time, if you're like selling stuff to people and they're opening your letter or whatever, they want, if not your product, they want the result that your product can and or should deliver. You know what I mean? So we know that he wants it, right? So now he's starting to trust me. Remember, there are three reasons people don't buy. They don't want it, they don't have the money, or they don't believe you. Well, right. he's starting to believe me because he's like, man, this guy's delivered. Okay, I, I mean, I did what he told me to do, and it worked. Holy shit. All right, now he's one step closer to his result, and um, he wants more. He's like, because what's happening is he said, okay, well, so I went and I approached them, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I do come here. Oh, I, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm a Virgo. You know, or whatever right. the answer is. But now he's like, but now what do I say to him? What 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 kind of conversation do I have? So now he wants more. So now instead of me being this uninvited person, he's like, man, I wish that dude would write me and tell me what to say because approaching works. But now what? Right. You know. So my next piece of content moves him that step closer. I give him a little video or a little report on like seven funny conversations you can have with the woman or whatever. Which I have no idea what this would be, but uh, you know, assuming that they could be done. Um, that don't involve core form, which has always been my secret, as you know. Um, you know, listen, if my wife ever wakes up from that and she discovers I'm not Matthew McConaughey, I'm hosed. Yeah, yeah, okay? So yeah, if you guys sure. ever see us out in public or anything, we're like, hey, McConaughey, how's it going? You know what I mean? I really appreciate it. So anyway, you, you move them along leading up to this event, which is your launch of the stuff. And as you move them towards your launch, you're, you're giving them these results in advance. Their trust for you just escalates you know, exponentially. So now you've given the guy how to approach, how to have a conversation. He's like, wow, so we're talking. And now what do I do? I wish I could get the phone number. Man, I give anything. I just get the phone number. And then you give them that. By the time you've given them all these useful pointers, when it's time for you to release your how to have a successful relationship course, the person's hooked. Because you've given them these results in advance. They know that you're not full of shit. You've delivered results. They know you care. And they feel like they've known you because you've been walking through this process. You know, you're doing all the other launch ninja stuff that we talk about. And it just plain works. So what happens is when you open those doors, you get these immediate surge of sales. You know, and you yeah, because you're, you're just constantly keeping people in a state of anticipation. Yeah, just and, and excited and positive expectancy. You know, So it's not just, ooh, I want to see if this is any good. It's like, this is going to be killer. I can't wait. You know, there's a difference between, like, you can have an anticipation going to the dentist, but it's not a good kind of anticipation. So right. we have, like, a positive expectancy. First off, this is, you know, it took a while to get to some good stuff here. But, right. you know, Finally. this is... This we is, could edit this, everything out and, and, and the fact that you even yeah. did this with stick figures is just great. Yeah, that's all I got. No, no, actually, th- this this is very, very good. And that was worth uh, whatever, you know... $7,000 that we charged for this interview. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, so you said ninja... The term ninja stuff. Uh-huh. Now, in the process of sending out emails, sending out videos, there's a lot of little things that you do. And um, what are some tips that you would give people for getting email opened, uh, subject lines? Uh, just what are some things that you've learned, if, if any formulas, that will allow you to just have way more response to your Communications. Sure. Okay. So the internet is media. You know, that's taught by Dan, right? He's like, media is media is media. Uh, internet's no different than TV. I, I, I'm afraid to say on video that I disagree, you know, because I think Dan might foolishly attempt to beat me up when I meet with him right. in a couple of days. Naturally, we've already established we're going to fight and I'm going to win, so I guess it shouldn't really matter. Right. But uh, I think the internet is significantly different than other media in the sense of the con. There, there are multiple contexts, mental places that, that people who are using the internet are at, and that's hard to explain, so I'll do my best. Let's say there are like three categories of of internet media out there, like three main things people are going to do online. They're going to check their email, they're going to browse web pages, and they might go to blogs. 
All right. Well, every single piece of that internet media has a different mental uh, uh, headspace. Uh, the user is in a different frame of mind. So, specifically, when you're checking your email, you are in the let's communicate with friends state. All right. You're not in the let's talk about business state. Typically, you're not in the sell me some stuff state. You're in the I want to see what grandma's doing or hey, here's a, you know, a, a funny satirical take on the MasterCard priceless ads where the guy's vomiting on himself or whatever. You know what I mean? Right, it's like in right. that friendly, fun state. So you need to adapt your communication for that particular media to the, uh, the mindset that your prospect is already going to have. For example, an email that says, uh, announcing our new fall specials. And then it goes into, and it's like got pictures of your inventory with like prices slash, and it looks like a print ad from a newspaper. It's, it's not going to do nearly as well as if like the subject line said, uh, hey Joe, dot, dot, dot. And then it said, hey, hey Joe, I just wanted you to know that, uh, you know, I, I'm practically giving you free money to come to this website. Uh, this sounds stupid, but when you go here for the full story and you laugh all the way to the bank. Sincerely Frank. Now, even that in itself was a little bit salesy, but I'm just kind of making this up as I go along. Right. But that was, there, there are two things, uh, to note about that. One is the subject line was what a friend would send, right? And oftentimes a friend won't even say your first name because if I'm writing to you, I'm not going to say, Hey, Joe, I know it's Joe. You know, you're Joe. Everyone knows you're Joe because I'm sending to Joe's email address. Right. right. So I might would just say, Hey, dot, dot, dot. And you see that and you're like, Oh, this must be a personal email. It just says, Hey, right. And then so then you open it up. And the first thing is it's really short. So, like, emails typically aren't 900 pages. You know what I mean? So you don't like long emails? No, because the function of the email is to get someone to click on the link. Right. Typically, you know, and to pre-frame it a little bit. But really, it's to get them to click on the damn link. If you look at the mechanical sales process of email marketing, it's like, A, get open, B, click link, then website does the selling. Right. Or or generates the the desired response, whether it's an opt-in or whatever. So... Uh, the thing to notice about that email was it's short, and the third thing is it's very colloquial, very friendly, because that's the, that's what they're used to. Like your grandmother's not going to write you and say, "Dear Joe, I was thinking today that it would be a good sound investment for you to consider buying a Vitamix blender. There are many health benefits to having freshly blended." You know what I mean? It's like, they ain't going to say that shit. You know, say, "Hey, you know, these things are killer." You know, "Hey, dude, the, the, the Vitamix thing's the funniest thing I've ever seen. This guy put a telephone in there and blended it up. Imagine what it'll do with all those carrots you like to eat. Anyway, check this out. This is kind of funny." Right. Bam, you know, and then then it's going to get red and it's going to Bam, this, cradle rock style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we should start talking like gangster rappers now. But um yeah, so that's like that that's the email context world, okay? So then you get, you have another world which is web pages and it's okay to sell on web pages um but it's more effective that I've I've seen in my own marketing anyway to like take an even more subtle approach. So the way that I learned to sell online was to copy guys like you and Dan and how you sold in the mail. Right. So when you're selling in the mail, typically, uh, from what I've, and I'm a direct mail like rookie, so I, I believe this to be true, but I don't know it to be true. You're, you're selling under immense pressure. You are as the guy trying to sell stuff because you right. got the person with the food. The guy's got to open the damn thing, take the paper out, read it. You know, the wife's saying, Hey, did you get the milk or whatever? The kid's like, Daddy, Daddy, look what I drew. The dog just shot on the floor or whatever. And in order to respond, this guy's got to tear out you know, the piece of paper, write some shit on it, lick a stamp, stick it back in the mail, or God help him, get on the phone and call somebody. Right. Which to me is horrible. I never want to call anybody, you know. That's just me, because I grew up with the internet, right? So it's like, you mean I can't 
it's like when I was selling that trip we're doing to Vietnam, I had to mail the guy a check. I was like, what, what is this? I was like, honey, do we have a checkbook? You know what I mean? It's bizarre. I'm going to so spend anyway. 14 days in Vietnam with Frank, and uh, it's yeah. going to be fascinating. Right. Oh, yeah, dude, we're going to the jungle. We're going to eat hallucinogenic plants. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a freak show. Yeah, it'll be totally great. <laughs> um, so anyway, like, so you as the guy selling the stuff have all these unbelievable things that you got to deal with to get the guy to take action. And as a result of that, you practically take out the emotional sledgehammer and just clobber him in the face with it. Right. You know, it's like, buy the shit right now! You know I mean? It's the equivalent of, like, well, you don't buy this, you're going to die. Right. You know what I mean? And online, that works, A. It works really well. But what has worked better, in my experience, is a more laid-back approach, which is like, you know, you might want to look at this. Uh, You should have this. Here's why. And like shorter, more segmented, less high-pressure, less intense insanity around the sale. Because the Internet is ultimately a relationship and research medium. You know, it's typically is what it is. Research slash news media. And shopping, yeah, but shopping... Typically, in our style of stuff, you know, we're interrupting them, their pattern. You know, we're coming in. It's not like, like if you're if we're selling shoes or something on an online retailer for shoes, like Zappos.com, it's a different thing than the, the type right. of stuff we do, um, which is dangerously close to me saying, but my different my business is different, which is like one of the worst things you could say according to the gospel, according to Dan. But um, in this case, our style of marketing is significantly different. It's a different buying. Well, buying. you know, I mean, ev- everybody's business is different and unique in a lot of ways however about 80 percent of all businesses and are pretty much the same right so you know i mean it's um here's the point i'm trying to make it came to me finally good um yeah <clears throat> this could have been days is <laughs> is the inner ship the the inner ship <laughs> the inner ship is coming for us the internet is a relationship medium Right. right. I mean, that's why you get online to have email. For you like, sounded email. like Look, Bill Clinton for just a second. That's there. what I'm going for. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I did. I did have sex with that one. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to sell the photographs on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm going to do it for America. And I support Barack Obama and his taxes. Um, so anyway, it's a relationship medium. Right. I mean, if you think about all the way historically, if you go back. In time, and remember why you set up an internet account. Chances are, it was so you could have email. Right. Right. So I'm not saying email is the definition of the internet, but it's a relationship thing. That's why we do it to to maintain and create personal relationships. That's why social media is so huge because people like to maintain those relationships. So in selling online, the direct mail hammer to the face approach works, but the hardcore relationship building and long term approach works better. That's what I'm trying. To can I, well, can I, okay, great stuff. Can I, can I ask you in your experience, if you couldn't use email in conjunction with your websites, how effective do you think your marketing would be with just the website? It would be extremely uh, diminished. So, and I'm going to define the use of email as, as if I was, if the ability to follow up was removed. Right. So does that mean I can't follow up with them at all? Or does it mean that I just can't send them an email when I can follow up with them through other mechanisms? You could, you could follow, yeah, you, I mean, you could follow up. Well, here, here's, here's the point I'm trying to get at mm-hmm. is a lot of, you hear this all the time. I got to get a new website or I got to fix my website. But you don't usually hear people say, I got to put together a cohesive strategy that's going to incorporate a website that also has an opt-in and a follow-up system mm-hmm. and, you know, in, in a direct mail campaign, which maybe even incorporating phone calls and voice blasts and a free recorded message. I mean, you don't hear complete strategy. You right. hear like, ah, oh, I need a, an ad. 
Or yeah. I need, you know, and, and what people don't get is that, you know, marketing is not an event typically. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And that process could incorporate very uh, multiple different touch points. And so, you're not a guy that says, oh, I'm, I'm an email marketer or I'm a website marketer. I mean, you're using a lot of different tools in mm-hmm. your toolbox, but they fit and they make sense. Right. And there's a, there's a process behind it. So and I follow up is the problem. I mean, it's absolutely. all in the follow up. So if, if that were to go away, like the ability to, to follow up it would be, you know, I would make probably 97% less money. Yeah. And because you think about a really, really kick ass website, is going to convert about 3% visitors to sales, maybe a little more, but you know, 3% is going to be doing good cold visitors to sales. Yeah. Right? And so then if you can't follow up with those other 97 people, what are you going to do? You're, you're screwed, right? I mean, so yeah, you, you got to have the whole package. And, and I think all of us internet guys have made a dreadful mistake, uh, an easy mistake to make, but a horrible mistake in terms of becoming overly dependent on email. Absolutely. You know, as uh, again, Mr. Kennedy, you are correct, sir. You told us so. All right. So you're right. We're still fighting when we meet each other personally. I am going to win. But, uh, you know, now that we've established that like 10 times, I'm going to get a letter, you know, Frank, I'm going to kill you. Sincerely, Dan. But anyway, you know, it's, it's to rely on email as, as just the end all be all is, is stupid and has been stupid. And I'm, have, have been. Well, you know, uh, guilty of it. I'm no longer guilty of it, but it's a bad call. You know, I mean, I think th- th- there's there's a lot of different skill sets, and you know what I'm doing with Bridge Gap Marketing with Dan Hollins to help optimize, you know, the online and offline world. I mean, there's leverage points that are missing in in both worlds. I mean, I I don't even think it's either like an internet marketing or offline marketing. It's just kind of like marketing in all these different ways that, that you go about. Uh, doing it. People just simply don't leverage what it is they have. You know, I mean, a database is an asset and all the different ways that you can. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the king, you know. And I mean, God help you. You you get uh, an address and a phone number. See, to us in the internet world, it's like the email list was the king. And now lots of uh, myself included and the guys that I run around with, you know, the big fancy pants internet gurus, we've done all these promotions where, you know, give me a little bit of money and I'll send you some stuff, shipping and handling. And now we've got these databases of physical addresses and I've tested sending offers to them. New concept. You know, you're probably like, no right. shit, Frank, really? You sent us up in the mail? But, you know, to us, it was a big deal. And we're getting, I told you that one that I did, it got a 20 something to one ROI. And we're just like, we have been the biggest idiots in the world. Well, see, I, you know, I, I think not, it's a, a reliance. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I went to an internet marketing conference a couple years ago. And, uh, I mean, a lot of very sharp internet marketers. And I was just amazed at how much they had no clue about direct mail. And, yeah. and, and oh, none of us do. We're, what, what's, what's, what's funny about it is that, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it, it validated so much of the stuff that I knew. Cause, you know, I feel like a total dumbass when I go to internet marketing stuff. Cause I mean, these internet marketers are doing stuff that I, you know, had no clue about and, and know how to do. So, you know, the more you learn about marketing, the more you realize you don't know. Right. Cause yeah. it's such, it's such a huge world. Um, but I think a, whenever someone gets complacent, you know, cause when you can send out a free email, you know, what I would say to internet marketers is if you can start integrating some, uh, direct mail and some offline follow up free money, it'll make you better on the internet because what it does is it, you, it forces you to actually have to spend money. And if you don't get, res- see, anyone could blast out, you know, a million emails and not have it really cost you anything. Exactly. Because, but, but what happens is you put up and allow wastage. You don't really focus on just, you know, maybe, 
the right direction and stuff. Mm. In, in, in my opinion, with so much attention put on the Internet, there's just less noise in people's mailboxes than there were 10 years ago. Right. And when there's less noise, you know, it's easier to get attention. And the thing that I t- I've tested, the strategy I'll tell you about, and then just ride-alongs, and uh, actually uh, another strategy too, but what I tested each time, each direct mail piece, has been like a two- to four-page letter telling them why they should go to a website. Mm-hmm. So it's like email but just in there, because email is just about, okay, open the email, read it, click on the website, right? Right. Well, the direct mail I'm doing is open the envelope, read the message, go to the website, in the thing. So it's still the same transactional mechanics are the same in terms of them buying online. Unbelievable response every single time. Like, how come I haven't been doing this forever? Right. You know, it's, oh, my God. I mean, I would literally have, like, two to three times as much money right. had, had, had I been doing this and had my my partners. Um, and, and when I say partner, I mean, like, joint venture partners and stuff. If we'd all been doing it. We, you know, we would all probably have like five to ten times as much money because right. we endorse each other and help each other out so much. So the big lesson is, if you're thinking about getting online, yes, or if you are online, yes, it's incredibly profitable and great, wonderful medium to work in. It's different than direct mail um, in the sense that selling is a little bit different. But if you just do direct mail and stick it on the Internet, it'll still work. It worked for me for years. Didn't start. I didn't start making a fortune until I started utilizing other stuff. Um, but the the takeaway is integration is you know, and I think everyone's watching this or listening this is like, yes, you're right. But so people actually do it. And speaking now to the people who are online and online marketers, you know, for me, my hang up and never doing it before was like, I don't know how to do it mechanically. Right. You know. So here's how I did it mechanically. I went into my shopping cart program. I exported all my buyers who lived in the continental United States. I put them in a file, and then I wrote a sales letter, and I put that in a PDF, and I sent the PDF and the uh, list of dudes to a letter house here in California, which was like found presumably in the yellow pages by my assistant, and said, send this thing to these people. Go forth and prosper. That was it. So it was like totally painless. I thought it would be this big deal. I was like, oh, how do you do it? How do you, what are these newfangled printers people speak of? What are these things? You know, it's right, like, right, right. how do you do it? But it was nothing. So do it. It works. It's crazy. It's like free money. I promise you. It's insane. Oh, yeah, My well, experience anyway, it's like, good Lord. It's probably like what you guys thought of when you're like, these kids are out there sending these things called emails, making money. So now I'm the, having the same perspective with direct mail. No, no, and so it's it's the same thing. You know, I mean, there's always there's, there's always like uh, unmined gold sitting in your database if you just use different shovels and different ways to get at it. I mean, and as 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 much as I would hate to have to try to suggest somebody buy anything, I have this really great Nightingale Conant program that's the number one selling marketing program in Nightingale that talks a lot about how to do direct mail. I've interviewed... You know, Where would someone get it, Joe? Oh, that would be joepolish.com or nightingale.com. But, uh, um, you know, I've, I've interviewed John Carlton a couple times, a uh, great friend of mine. Uh, I've had him, you know, Joe Sugarman, all the direct mail experts I've interviewed, you know, Dan Kennedy, Gary Halbert, everyone, Ted Nicholas even years ago. You know, I mean, uh, I would highly recommend if you're doing... Anything that is is successful online, taking it offline, you in many cases can tr- triple, quadruple the results just because you know you you're not competing. See, email 
is the ultimate form of multitasking. Whenever someone's reading an email, they're looking at an email screen. You're looking at literally dozens of things vying for your attention. The beautiful thing about an envelope yeah. is you got the envelope there. You know, you might have a stack of mail, but if you use, you know, direct response, you know, like Gary Halbert's APOL versus, you know, mm -hmm. BPOL, you know, people of America and probably all over the world sort their mail out over a wastebasket and it's either going to go into the APOL, which is everything that's personal or appears personal, or the BPOL, which is everything that is junk or looks like junk. And it's and, going and, to go in the garbage. And yeah. what you were saying with, uh, you know, with just writing an email that says, hey, you know, that's the APOL, BPOL version of how to do. So you already are using the principles. It's just yeah. using. When I did it, the APOL mail on my test, I, I had them do a handwritten font and a real stamp and a plain envelope. And the return address was my return address, but instead of my name, it said uh, Super Duper Secret Ninja Headquarters. That's good. Yeah, because I was like, how, you know, how could you not open that thing up? Right. Yeah. Super Duper. You know, I, I should actually use that. That's a good one. Yeah, okay. well, I put TM on it, so you can't now. <sighs> damn, damn. All right, well, um, one thing, now this will sound like a goofy question, but I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, what, what are your thoughts of the how-to self-help um, industry. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean that's quite, no, no. Yeah. What what I mean is that um, you know you you meet a lot of your heroes. You realize that a lot of people are flawed human beings. There's a lot of people that have um, you know that in in terms of marketing, you you make a lot of claims and stuff out there. However, uh, I have uh, I owe so much to the world of people that have written books and documented things and put their life experience down and give people the ability to. Um, you know, learns accelerated learning. I think going to a good three-day seminar can give someone more insight, more education, more capabilities, more knowledge than spending, you know, four years in college sometimes. But the public perception is, oh, you're going to a seminar. Oh, this get-rich-quick thing. Oh, this self-help thing. And I know how valuable it is. There's a lot of crap out there, obviously. I mean, a mm. ton of crap. But there's also a lot of really good stuff out there. And I think... Um, people that are willing to, I think part of someone's ability to be successful with this stuff, you know, you're, you know, we're in the how-to business. We sell mm -hmm. knowledge. We sell knowledge products and courses and stuff. I think the ability to be successful with it has everything to do with someone's willingness to invest in their own future. You give your mass control course to someone for free versus some dude that paid a couple grand, the guy that paid the couple of grand is not just spending a couple grand on your stuff, what they're spending a couple grand for uh, is on their own future and that willingness and desire to learn something. And so one of the things I wanted you to, you know, what are your thoughts on people that really do make it, people that have the juice, because the information's out there. I mean, we live in such an incredible world where you want to learn I mean, anything, be a better parent, get in great shape, be more spiritual, learn how to do internet marketing. It's out there. Yeah, well, especially with the internet, you know, it's like you have the world's largest library Ex in your house. Ex you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay, my point is like if, if, if having access to knowledge made someone rich, then every librarian in the country would be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So having access to knowledge is only one part of it. There's another piece of it. So... You know, in terms of the self-help field and stuff, what is the best way to advise the viewers, the listeners of this interview on your thoughts on how to make the most out of it? Because there's a lot of good stuff out there, but you can get yourself overwhelmed. You can pr go down paths that aren't going to get you where you want to go. I mean, how would you advise someone to get get the most out of uh, of, of educating themselves? 
like the, okay, well, what I did was, and I, I still continue to do this, <clears throat> is I'll find one person that I like their stuff, and uh-huh. I'll just get everything. I won't get it all at once. Well, sometimes I do, and that's always a mistake because I don't go through it because I have too much stuff. Right. But I'll just get like on a on a jag. I do this with fiction authors as well. You know, like I just read ten James Patterson books back to back. Like, you know, so now I've got, got it all right. So that that's what I did was like when I discovered Dan. You know, I uh, I went and I just I got everything and I just went through it methodically. You know, it's like this is great. And when I discovered Tony Robbins, every single thing I was like, all right, right. You know, I got the book, got personal power. Listen to that. You know, same with Jeff Paul, got the twenty dollar book, got the all the way up to the you know home study course and all that kind of stuff. So there's that. Like, get everything and listen to it, but don't get it all at once. Right. And I, I stick with one person and then uh, and and understand that. Every single person who is a, a guru, that anyway, that I've ever known, is not like a, a messiah. Right. And give them permission to be weirdo people. Like, you know, and I think you said it, right? If you discarded every every book because the author was a weird person, you'd never read anything or something like right. that. You know? If you ever invalidate the message because of the messenger, you'll never read another book or attend another seminar. And I think Dan Kennedy is uh, the one I've, I first heard that from. I can't quite remember, but I think Dan might have been the one that told me that. Well, see, there you go. So, And that's, that sounded a whole lot better than what I said. Right. You know, yeah. but it's... Uh, yeah, so do what he said regarding that, you know. <laughs> but and, and, the, and the third thing... That's really powerful, though, you know, because I I have fallen into that trap. Like, oh, this guy's got all the answers, so... And then you find the guy that does something you don't agree with or whatever. Right. And you're like, oh, everything that I learned is crap. And then you just wash out all this good knowledge you put in your brain. You spent time and effort putting it in your brain. It's just dumb. Right. Because everybody does stupid stuff, except me. But everyone else does really stupid stuff all the time, probably constantly, you know, with the exception of myself, which is obviously perfect. Um, so, and we all know this already. I'm being redundant, clearly. Uh, but, um. That is, that's, that's a funny <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> the, second, the final thing is fucking do it, man. You know, yeah. like do some of the stuff. Like don't dabble, decide. You know, I mean, pretend. I always, I, I tell this to people. I say, I want you to pretend right now that Bin Laden was out there and he had his finger on the destroy America button. And if you don't do this, he's going to press the button. And like the, this thing would be like write a headline. Or whatever, and you're like, okay, Jesus, I'll write the headline. I'm like, great, no, wasn't that easy to write the salutation? I'm like, fine, tell them not to press the button, Jesus right. Christ. You know, and the next thing you know, they have a sales letter and they haven't destroyed America. You know, but it's right. just like, just do it, because none of this stuff is hard, right? I mean, really, it's not that big of a deal. You just write some shit and send it to people, and if it works, like, send them more stuff, and it doesn't work, write something different, send it to them again. It's really the whole formula. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's not that hard. Well, you know, we're, we're sitting at a time that we're doing this recording. I have to, like, I guess, sort of time date it, because you know this is going to be a timeless interview. I mean, 200 years from now, people are going to be watching the yeah, Joe we'll Polish, you know, yeah. Frank Kern, uh, you know, Genius Network interview. But, um, you know, a lot of people, it, it's interesting seeing when there's, you know, struggles in the economy or, you know, recession and people are losing money and things aren't as easy as they were at certain times. And, you know, Warren Buffett had this quote where he said, you know, it isn't until the tide goes down that you find out who was swimming naked and who wasn't. And, you know, there's, um, you know, po- people can just be lazy and they just, you know, uh, they, they, they just don't put and apply themselves. I mean, one, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm like a pessimistic optimist. You know, I, I, I want to believe in the potential of, of people, but potential just means you haven't done it yet. Right. And, you know, when you look at, at people out there, there's just a lot of things with people's behavior to me that this isn't really inspiring. And I, and I love seeing people 
take action and do stuff and make great things happen. That's why I love entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs have one ingredient which is critical, which is they're simply just risk takers. You gotta take risks, and you're gonna screw up, and you're gonna fail, uh, if you wanna call it failure. In the marketing world, you know, you call it testing. Well, it's um, an accurate description, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, one of the things that I would, um, if you had to, you know, talk to your best friend right now and just give him any form of motivation, inspiration, anything to get off his ass, ass and take action, what would you tell him to do other than just get off your ass and take action? Oh, I mean, I would just, if I literally talking to yes. someone I've known forever, so he'd be like, dude, look at me, all right? Imagine all the time, all the years that you've known me. You know what a, a obvious retard I am. I am a self-made cash-in-the-bank multimillionaire. If I can do this, anybody can you know, and I I follow half of the instructions at best that I spend all this money on. Like I'm going to go meet Dan, and I'm I'm really nervous about meeting him because he's going to be like, "Well, you've been my student for like three years, and you've only followed ten percent of my directions." Like, sorry, dude. But with that said, I've made have been wildly successful. So you don't even have to really do a good job of it. Like I don't think I've really done a good job as a marketer. I've just like done a consistent job, right? As a marketer, right? Well, that's so good. Like you've this, done a consistent job. Yeah, yeah. It's just show up, man. I mean, just like do something because I'm living proof that this stuff works. You know, I mean, people say, "Oh, well, you can do this kind of stuff because you're Frank Kern or whatever." Like, and you know, I'm, I'm I get to be Frank Kern because I do the stuff that Frank Kern does, which is like open the book. Get to chapter one and go. Oh, okay. Step one, do this. I'll do this. You know, and half of the time, like step one works so well, I never make it to step two. You know, but it's, I mean, still, like the the point I made with my uh, my pet business, right? I never had a back end. Now, how fundamentally stupid is that to not have a back end? But just the front end works so well. I made so much money. I was like, well, I'll do the I'll do the back end later, and just never did it. You know, so oftentimes, if you just get to step one, hell, I mean, you'll end up like doing so much more than 99% of the people did, and you might not even have to make step two because step one might get you as far as you wanted to go in the first place or farther. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, last question I'll ask you then, mm-hmm. I think. Um, out of all the skills that someone could go and spend their time learning as it relates to business um, to, to grow, become a millionaire, mm-hmm. um, what are what are the skills that you think are just critical that our listeners leave here with and go out and what you would recommend developing? You gotta learn how to persuade people to do what you want them to do without you being there in front of them. And that's either, that is not actually either. This is all of this. It's writing copy, it's making videos, it's preparing audio presentations. Period. You gotta do it. If you don't do it, you're hosed. You're, I mean, you might as well just like go home. Because if you don't do it, you're either gonna never, never get the amount of customers and prospects and money that you want, or you're gonna delegate it to someone else who will have ultimate control and power over you because they have the, only ability to make your phone ring and make your cash register ring and without them you're screwed therefore you're you're their slave essentially so learn to do that it's really easy actually it's like as easy as talking to someone and saying like, hey dude i went and saw the new james bond it's pretty good you should check it out it's that simple you know but learn it and believe it and know it and, and do it and you'll be fine if you don't do it see you later you know i mean you're you're pretty much in, hosed, in deep right? trouble yeah pretty much hose is the professional term awesome i think awesome. yeah well okay now Great stuff. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, in all seriousness, and it's hard for me to like, try really, to be positive yeah, and acknowledge yeah. you for anything. Yeah. That's um, the way you're looking at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how do people find out about you? Uh, if they want to if they want to study Frank Kern, go to Frank's events, uh, get any of his materials, where do they go? Uh, see, this is classic. Do as I say, not as I do. You, if you go to frankkern.com, if you went there today, you'd see a big sold-out notice. Right. And then an email where you can put your name on an email where you could like finally buy some stuff when I reopen my stuff. Right. So, uh, however, 
uh, if you go to frankcarn.com and you open up and you enter your email, you'll also be sent to my blog, which has, um, Jesus, I, probably like 10 hours of video similar to this and, and also has shit. What do you mean similar to this? There's nothing like this on your blog. Uh, you, well, the similar. I don't recall ever being on the blog. Filming doors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then other, and other stuff that's like fun and silly, but there's uh, videos, audios, articles. I mean, there's more free stuff than, than you can stand. Really. So frankkern.com, enter your email address. I will naturally spam you probably no more than 15, 16 times a day. Um, <laughs> and I promise to only send things about penis enlargement uh, pills. Yeah. So, but the emails will be very well written, you know, and very colloquial. <laughs> so it'll sound like you'll feel as if you're getting penis enlargement pills from someone you've known for your, your entire life. It'll be great. Awesome. So, awesome. Well, well, you know, and uh, any famous last words? Anything else you want to say? Uh, you know, if you're ever in California and there's a Santa Ana and this, it's dry and you, you find yourself getting really dried out, get a, get a humidifier before <laughs> getting the cold. It's probably right. the best, best advice I could give right now. Or else you'll sound like this, you know. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. That's pretty good. I know, that's, that's really a good thing to end on. All right. So what I, what I will say if I'm, if, uh, to all the listeners, uh, let me know what you thought of this interview with Frank, um, and, uh, check his stuff out. He's, he's truly, a, I wouldn't say marketing icon, but he's a funny dude, knows his stuff. The marketing uh, icon sounded a lot better. Yeah, you know, but uh, anyway. The marketing was, we're going to say that.